Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast. I am Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. We are here recording quite possibly the greatest piece of entertainment man has ever been blessed to uh, envelop into their lives. Envelop into their lives. You can say that again. I'm, envelop into their lives. I'm I'm surprised you guys found us, um, to be honest, on whatever system you're listening to us on. And and I'm a, I want to say why. And this goes off what you were saying, um, Craig. We're so good, we're bringing in people who've never heard of podcasts before. So I don't know how you found us, listener, but I'm proud of you. You... Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. this is the first podcast, like ever. We we are in, we are currently inventing podcasts. Um, I don't know if we're inventing podcasts or reinventing the wheel because I don't know if there was a form of entertainment before this podcast, and that's not even narcissism or arrogance or anything like that. I think that's just facts. And if you've happen to listen to our other earlier episodes you know that we don't talk about anything that's not true on this podcast yeah we are in fact probably as well as making the first podcast we are also blessed with the title of most honest people right all my friends uh called me honest abe for at least the first 18 years of my life and you might be wondering honest abe that's what they called lincoln well that's wrong um and I'm going to tell you why. There's no interest in other people telling you the truth. No one needs to tell you the truth except for me and Craig, of course, uh, by proxy. We have to tell you the truth. I'm incapable of lying. Even when I'm lying, I'm telling the truth. So you can trust us. All right. I think now that you know who we are, you know what we're about, I think it's time we get into the meat, the goodness. The rare, tender juiciness of our voices. And uh, and if you don't like meat, or that's against uh, whatever you believe in, well, maybe you shouldn't be listening to our podcast, because this podcast serves up the finest, rarest, most decadent voices you've ever heard, and it might go against veganism, might go against, you know, the other one with vegetables, you know, vegetarian. vegetarianism. Nailed it. That's how you know I'm how real. Did you, hold on. How'd you miss vegetarianism first? You know, the one with the vegetables. Um, you know what? I think this is just me being raw. Just being 100% myself. And WWE Smackdown versus Raw. That's yeah. us right now. Now that they know that they can trust us and that all the vegans and vegetarians have left because we're about to serve up some raw, bloody entertainment, I think we should get started. Okay. Um, you know, on this podcast, we like to talk about movies and, uh, for our little movie club, we decided to watch Django Unchained this week, which was something that I had never seen before. Um, you know, we do this every week on the podcast. So if you aren't a movie person, if you don't like listening to movie discussions, um, we have a time code for you. You can just skip ahead and move on to the next segment. And, uh, that time code for you is going to be... Time code, 34 minutes. All right, so Django Unchained is mm-hmm. certainly a three-hour movie. Two hours and 45 minutes, but yeah, three hours. Um, t- 
Tarantino doesn't like short movies. But yeah, so this is a Tarantino film. So along with our raw bloody voices, you're going to, if you watch this movie, you saw some blood, dude. You saw quite a bit um, in standard Tarantino fashion. There's some blood in the beginning, some blood in the middle, and then quite a bit of blood at the end. Um, but overall, it's one of my favorite, is, is my favorite Tarantino movie. I don't know if you guys are super familiar with his films, but I think my top five, not in this order, but Django, obviously the top. Reservoir Dogs, also high up on there. Um, and Glorious Bastards. Another very bloody movie. A huge fan of The Hateful Eight. And then Pulp Fiction, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think are, are dueling for fifth place. But this is my number one. I stand by this movie. Um, not super historically accurate, not going to lie. But as far as entertainment goes, perfection. Now, I am not particularly a Tarantino fan. I am either neutral or negative towards more of his movies than I am not. But the two movies that I do like of his are Inglorious and I did enjoy this movie as well. Um, I think another thing that if you guys aren't super in love with Tarantino's movies, like if you've seen Pulp Fiction or maybe you've seen uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the plots and storyline aren't always super straightforward. Sometimes it can be a little confusing. This movie is a lot more of your typical movie like starts in the beginning, ends at the end, not a whole lot of getting lost in the beginning, not any plot twists, you don't need to worry about that. You just need to, it's very linear. And I think it works. Yeah, I think there are just a lot of likable characters in this movie that help you get further along. Like, I really liked the Schultz character. Dude, I could, okay, so the Schultz character is, he got nominated for Oscars. He got uh, Oscars, Golden Globes. I think he got nominated for BAFTA. That's uh, Christopher. I just want to go over the cast for you guys. This is ridiculous what they've done with this movie. So Jamie Foxx, obviously, as Django. Christopher Waltz as Dr. King Schultz. Also, Christopher Waltz is like in almost every single um, movie that Quentin Tarantino does. Leonardo DiCaprio is in like the back half of this movie. So don't lose hope if you haven't seen him and you're an hour and a half in. He's he's coming. Kerry Washington is Broomhilda Von Shaft. Samuel Jackson is Steven. Then you have smaller names. And like these are like amazing uh, supporting characters. Like these are like the supporting characters for your supporting characters. First of all, we have Walter or Walton Goggins, who I recognize from a bunch of movies. He was on Justified on FX if you watch Justified. Justified, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Tomb Raider, Maze Runner, Death Cure, Hateful Eight, American Ultra. Like, this guy's just around. He's one of those guys that more often than not, you forget his name, but you see him all the time. Yeah. When he showed up, I'm like, yo, this guy's a, a big name playing a small role. Another one, big name playing a small role is uh, Ado Asando. He plays a character called D'Artagnan. He's the one from the meme saying, oh my gosh, it's Jason Bourne. That, that's the same guy. Also, there's a guy named Don Johnson who plays a plantation owner in the movie called Big Daddy. He's the dad in Knives Out. Then Jonah Hill's in the movie. Jonah Hill is the only one that I wrote a note down. Um, I typically write my notes for movies, how I interpret them in my brain. And so mm -hmm. this one, I literally just wrote Jonah Hill with three question marks after it. Because yeah. Big old he kind of just came out of nowhere. Well, okay, so that's that's who's in the movie. What I just gave you is like nine names for people who are in the movie. If you look at the people who are almost in this movie, Will Smith, 
was almost Django. Um, Michael K. Williams was also almost Django. Tyrese Gibson, as you might know, as an RB singer or one of the characters in Fast and the Furious was almost Django. Franco Nero was the original Django. He comes in as a cameo in this movie. Kevin Costner was almost in this movie. Kurt Russell was almost in this movie. Jonah Hill was offered the role of someone else and a gam- as a gambler who loses Boomhilda to Leonardo DiCaprio's character. But they cut out his character and just merged it with Billy Crash. So he's just like, hey, we have some scheduling conflicts because he was going to do uh, The Watch, which is a cop movie he was in, I think. Um, but due to scheduling conf- conflicts, he just came in as a cameo. Sasha Baron Cohen was almost in this movie, but he declined because he had to appear in Les Mis. Joseph Gordon-Lovett was almost in this movie, but he was filming Don John. This movie's already bananas with the cast, but if you would have looked of who almost was in or had like scheduling problems, there could have been more. Like as far as casting goes, this movie's ridiculous. Big old fan. Yeah, I thought a lot of it was super cool. There was good cinematography there were good action scenes there was good dialogue there was good character building there was good character chemistry like there's just so much good happening in this film that what that when bad stuff happens it sticks out just a little bit more um another huge thing i loved about this movie is the music was legit yeah that was another note that i wrote down just as kind of a talking point i didn't really have any concrete thoughts about it was Mm -hmm. i wrote the note modern music plus history setting i noticed it a lot more during the end Mm -hmm. but there was definitely a combination of like oh these songs were probably written like within a year of the movie being made Right. But it's being used in an 1860s context. I love that juxtaposition. Um, a lot of people had beef with Gatsby because they all his music is modern. Like there's nothing from that era in uh, The Great Gatsby, another DiCaprio movie. Uh, as you can see, I'm obviously in love with him. But in this one, in the beginning, there's a huge theatrical opener. And it's just like a Django theme, which I was in love with. And then they, they bring it back in the later part of the movie. Huge fan. Um, one of the two songs that you mentioned were more modern. Rick Ross did a song called Hundred Black Coffins. Was both of these songs they had a bunch of like modern artists make music for this movie. So Rick Ross actually did a song. John Legend did a song called Who Did That to You? Uh Frank Ocean did a song that was played at my wedding called Wise Man. Um it just didn't make it into the movie. Tarantino was just trying to find a way to fit it in, it just really didn't fit. So it was actually used in a movie called Southpaw with Jake Gyllenhaal. But like the mu- the music was ridiculous. I think it matched the mood amazing. When you're saying cinematography, there's scenes where there's just like a very Western, um, very dramatic, uh, like close zoom in, just like to get people's facial expressions. It's very dramatic and I loved it. The cinematography and the music was hands down one of my favorites. Yeah, and this was something that I really enjoyed to a point where the movie is also a little cartoonish at times. Oh yeah, 100%. Um, one of the things that com- comes out to me is the costume design when he picks his valet outfit. Yeah. And first of all, costume design, another great thing about this movie, it's an amazing, but there's a scene, it's very early, so this isn't even a spoiler, where uh, Django is with Christopher Waltz's character, um, whose name escapes me at the second. Schultz. Uh, 
Schultz, Dr. Dr. Schultz. And he goes, so what do I get to wear? He goes, just pick out your clothes. He goes, you mean I can, I can pick out my own clothes. It's a big deal. So he goes and picks out a blue outfit, completely ridiculous, but it looks dope. Um, and just like the stylists and the, the cartoon aspect of it, the juxtaposition of he's wearing blue and everyone else around him is wearing browns and like very, um, classic 1850s, 1860s look is, I love that juxtaposition. And the sunglasses that's in like the last half of the movie that he wears. Oh, yeah, yeah. So cool, man. Um, is there anything that you want to talk about before we go into the spoiler portion? No, we can go into spoilers. Okay, so just overall, this movie is a super fun time, but it's also really brutal. So just kind of like... Expect. It's rated R for a reason, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. It's rated R for a reason. You're definitely going to get both sides of that same coin, but overall, it was an enjoyable ride. 100%. All right. Spoilers are going to happen now. If you want to skip to the end of spoilers, um, you can jump to... Okay. I, I think I just write down notes... Mm-hmm. About things that struck me in a negative manner. Okay. Uh, um, so, Leonardo DiCaprio, world's yeah. greatest actor, objectively. I love him. I love and, him so yes, much. Yes, he's very good. And he's good in this movie. However, dude could not stick that southern accent. Yeah, it wasn't distracting for me because it's not it's not a southern accent. It's an Time old code. southern accent. So I don't know any people that minutes. actually talk like that because people aren't around anymore that talk like that. So it wasn't super distracting for me because he plays such a big character. I allowed him to do something with his voice I've never heard before. So I didn't pick it apart necessarily. And I probably wouldn't have noticed if there weren't times... Where he was definitely trying for a southern accent. Right. Yeah. I can now I'm thinking back to it for sure. Also, you watch enough DiCaprio movies, you can see some DiCaprio isms that come out in all his characters. It's just because he's he's a normal guy. He's a good actor, but like you can see just themes that he brings out, facial expressions that just come out over and over again. But like his performance was amazing. I loved it. Yeah, and I think that whole Leo, Christoph Waltz, Jamie Foxx, like, triangle of chemistry was just off the charts. I was obsessed with it. The fact that they're trying to dupe him, but Schultz doesn't actually, it's hard for him to do some stuff. And DiCaprio's watching him being like, okay, that doesn't really make sense. And Django's just, like, doing it. Okay, so I want to skip to this. This is, like, a huge thing that messed me up. And I watched this with Macy. What parts of the movie were hard for you to watch? I have to think about this. Because I'm going to name two. It's D'Artagnan and the dogs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. That. And and the Mendingo fighting. Yes. I do have that in my notes. Is I have the wrestling scene was intense. Dude, the crazy thing is, is I was going through the trivia. It, there wasn't going to be Mendingo fighting. There was going to be dog fighting. And they took out dog fighting. Because that because was it, too brutal. It was too, it was too traumatic. And I'm like, this dude just beat this guy's head in with a hammer yeah what and you're watching it a lot of times they'll cut away and they'll talk but a lot you'll see them ripping a dude's eyes out and i'm like it's a good thing they're not dogs 
<laughs> Good grief. Um, there were also moments of discomfort just from, like, racial tension. Yeah. Like, when they first show up on Big Daddy's farm... Mm-hmm. And they're trying to decide whether or not they should treat Jamie Foxx like a normal person or yeah, like a slave. Yeah, he's like, hey, get off that horse. On this yeah. property, you do not ride a horse. I'm like, ooh, this is ooh, this is icky, 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 icky. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. So, yeah, dude. that There's parts of this movie that I'm just like, oh boy, that's hard to watch. The I remember the first time I watched this, the hot box scene was hard for me to watch. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I'm like, yikes, when uh, Kerry Washington uh, or Broomhilda is getting pulled out of a hot box. And Steven, also Steven's character just makes me mad, just makes me angry. Yes. And I, that's why I know it's so good. But I'm like, he's like, no, she doesn't deserve it. She can't get pulled out. She has a punishment. She's got like nine days left in the hot box. And he goes, well, I need him out. And he goes, well, she deserved it. What kind of message are you sending? I'm like... Get her out of there, dude. What? That's crazy. I think this is my favorite Samuel L. Jackson role. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is my... This is not my favorite movie that he's been in, but based on Samuel L. Jackson alone, I think this is my favorite role of his. I think this performance doesn't make me think of Samuel L. Jackson. It doesn't. I, first of all, didn't know it was Samuel L. Jackson for a hot minute. I'm wow. like, I knew the white hair was fake. I'm like, something's something's not adding up with this hair department. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I recognized it is because Samuel L. Jackson has such a distinct voice right. that even when he's doing an old man voice, I'm like, mm, I still hear you. I still yeah. hear just a little bit of Sam. And Mace is not a huge fan of him because he's been typecasted. So she goes, oh, he's just going to be Samuel Jackson in another movie. This guy is just different. Yeah. He plays Steven so well and you hate him so much. I hated him more than I hated Candy. Yeah. I think most oh, yeah. people are most people are going to. DiCaprio, is at the end of the day, he's charming. He's a bad guy, but he's charming. Steven makes me hate him so I think- much. The movie even preps you to hate him because there's that line that Jamie Foxx does where he's like, nothing's worse than a black slaver. And then 20 minutes later, we meet Steven. Dude, Jamie Foxx is so gangster in this movie. Yeah. He is so cool. When he's riding the horse, he's treating everybody like garbage. He's just playing the role. And he goes, dude, I'm... And Waltz is like, hey, calm down. He goes, I'm doing what it takes, first of all. I know what I'm doing. Let me do my thing. I'm like... Good grief, Jamie. Holy smokes, Django. I, I want you to win so bad. Um, before we move on to like other other notes, I'm kind of getting over, though, the he's a natural. This guy's never shot a gun before in his life. Yeah. And he's the quickest gun mm-hmm. in the world. Hey, movies in general, let's. I'm over with the chosen one. I'm over it. I'm Things should not come naturally. Make the main character mediocre at everything. Maybe you can be pretty good at something, but if he's never done it before, he's not allowed to be a natural. He's not allowed to be the best. He's not allowed to win every single gunfight he's in. Django walks away without a bullet this entire movie. Homie doesn't get shot once. He takes the shot on the first plantation that he's on. He like snipes that 
right? He sniped one of the people off the horse, or was that Schultz? That was Schultz. He goes, okay. hey, are you sure that's him? He goes, I'm positive. And he, and no, yeah, he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. hey, are you sure that's him? He goes, yes, I'm sure. He goes, are you positive? And he goes, no. He goes, you're sure, but you're not positive? He goes, I don't know what positive means. And yeah, he goes, yeah. it means you're sure. Then I'm positive. Um, then it's the next scene. I don't think that someone who's never used a gun before could have shot that their next bounty, like, no problem. Even with practice, dude, the guy was a moving target. And these are Western guns. Okay, you know what? We're picking it apart. It is a movie. But movies, let's get on the same page that this trope is getting old. Yeah. It is a trope. It, it's getting old. I also didn't like how... I would have been more okay with it if they established the whole quickest gun in the West thing any sooner than the end of the movie. I mean, you kind of get a glimpse in a couple places. Like, when he, he does snipe a guy off the horse after they blow up the... The, um, the buggy with dynamite and the guy's yeah. running away. He goes, you got to take the shot. He goes, you got to take the shot. He goes, I got him. I got him. So he does do that. That's his first time shooting a long gun, by the way. Yeah. That's ridiculous. And then the quickest gun in the West definitely comes out at the very end. Um, but I think it comes up earlier. I can't remember when. But like but the phrase do- where Schultz where Schultz says they will call you the quickest gun in the West should have happened before the final scene in the movie. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That, I mean, it's just a cartoony Tarantino thing. I know it's, he, he had to say those words because that's what makes it, you know, a spaghetti Western, whatever. Um, I think that that kind of leads into something that I talked about before we started spoilers. But the note I wrote is this movie can't decide if it's a parody or not. I am about it. I love it. Because the word, when you say parody, what comes to my head is the baghead scene. God, I can't see out yeah, of this thing. We're supposed exactly. to ride a horse. And when I, I th- when I saw that scene, I thought, "Oh, this movie is going to be c- consistently funny throughout the rest of the movie. No hardcore drama movie is going to spend five minutes on this baghead scene." It was so funny, dude. Yeah, that- I thought it was really funny, but that level of comedy only came up once or twice in the whole movie. Yeah, And so that's where I'm like, you double down on these comedy scenes so well, you could still make an effective narrative about slavery if you wanted to, but still keep it a Western parody. Right. I think he could have made it more comedic. I'm glad he didn't. I think there's enough in there to say, hey, I can do it if I want to, but I'm not going to. Because that scene could have been taken out and no one would have been the wiser. Yeah. But I, I immediately looked over to Macy and I'm like, glad they kept that in. It is so funny when he goes, well, that's the last time we're doing something like that for you. Don't come to me or mine for any help yeah. with any bags. <laughs> she stayed up all night working on these things. I'm like, dude, that's so funny. And then Jonah's like, so are we doing the bags or not? And he goes, well, we're, we're doing the bags. Yeah. And dude, it was so good. I love the baghead scene. I wish they did more bounty hunting. Yep. We, the, the problem is, is the bounty hunting was pre-DiCaprio. So they yeah. had to like keep it moving. They had to be like, okay, it has to be enough bounties that's relevant. So they had to do the bounty where he does his first bounty because that comes in handy later when he's dealing with the Australians because he has to keep the, the pamphlet. Yeah. 
Um, but there was no other bounties. Like after that, like we just assume they do it and we assume they're making lots of money. Like that's it. Yeah. And that, that desire for more bounties also brought up a problem because the movie had mid movie text. They do like the two or three bounties and then they're like, Schultz and Jane go killed a bunch of people and now they're ready to do the next action. I liked it. I think Tarantino's such a film guy. He's like, he just watched all these movies from the 70s. I'm sure he watched all Clint Eastwood's spaghetti westerns, even more like Good, Bad, and the Ugly, all that trash. And he's like, I gotta pay homage to this stuff or homage to these things as just like an appreciation for what other filmmakers have done. Um, so that's just, I think it's just a Tarantino thing. Cause it's just one of those things that like a lot of people are, are not going to like the opening, the music and credits. Some people are just like, yo, I don't like opening credits. I think he does it well. Um, but if you don't, if you don't like that stuff, you don't like that stuff. But I, th- I think it was very cool. My final two notes, mm-hmm. um, the gunfight when Schultz first shoots Charlie or candy rather. Yeah. Um, and the gunfight that ensues after that, incredibly entertaining to watch. Specifically, I... the shot of Jamie Foxx launching through the door. Yes. I, like, that's going to stick in my head. That was so cool. When he's, like, just shooting as fast as he can go, and there's just, like, blood. He takes his first shot. It, blood spatter goes onto his face. He wipes his eyes. And then, like, he's shooting, like, his eyes half closed, just unloading. And then he's, like, in the prone, right next to a body, and that body's getting, like, cut away by bullets, but he's just blasting away. I'm like, dude, this is wild. Yeah. But, dude, how do you feel about Schultz's character just getting offed? I don't have a problem with it for the most part. Yeah. I think it made sense. I would have liked it more if it was closer to the end of the movie. Right. We still had like 45 minutes post Schultz. Yeah. I mean, even that, even with that little bit of exaggeration, I think it sucked because you didn't have time to feel emotional about it. Yeah. Um, like your time to be emotional was when Jamie Foxx was hanging upside down, wondering if he was going to live or die. That was your time to think about it. But then you, you weren't thinking about it because you're worrying about, Oh, was this guy about to lose his genitals like so you didn't even worry about Schultz anymore you worried about Django and I think that kind of takes away from him because the second he dies it's a freaking shootout dude yeah also everyone thinks that's going to be the end of the movie hunker down because you got like 40 minutes left and that leads to my final note which is too many film directors grandstand at the end of their movies I am okay with how most film directors pace their movies for the first two hours it's that last it's the 40 minutes after that where i'm like guys you couldn't uh you couldn't have done this any more concisely yeah uh that was annoying to me as soon as a shootout happened i'm like you got 10 minutes not 30 and they just dragged it on because i didn't the first time i watched this it, it was a while ago so watching it now i didn't realize tarantino's cameo as an australian was going to take so long. I don't remember that Australian scene taking so long. But that's like 15 minutes. I'm like, yo, we're still doing this? Get out of here. Go back, save your woman. Get this movie over with. I mean, it was cool seeing Tarantino. It was cool seeing Australians. It was cool that he had the, 
that kind of like understanding with the other slaves that were getting taken away to the mines and they could go back and just it it made the pamphlet make sense it wrapped up a lot of loose strings but it was annoying so um i looked up a number um in the movie they say i'm gonna pay a ridiculous price something you cannot deny he goes well you had my curiosity now you have my attention twelve thousand dollars in 1858 is three hundred and eighty thousand dollars now? Yeah, the I looked up the inflation calculator not on that scene, but when he's like, when Schultz is saying, "I'll pay you twenty five dollars for each brother, seventy five dollars in total." Yeah, that seventy five dollars was like twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah, when the thing is, is now that I saw that, I I go back to the very first scene when you find out they're bounty hunters, which is an amazing introduction where he goes, "Make sure to get the sheriff." Don't get yeah. the marshal. Guns down the sheriff. Be like, now you can get the marshal. That scene was so freaking cool. Where they're just drinking beer, teaching them how this thing's gonna work. I love that scene. Probably one of my top five favorite scenes of the, of the whole movie. And then I realized that this guy's making how much after killing this guy? And these people are just supposed to. In my head, I'm like, you take it back to the courthouse and they'll pay you. And he goes, no, they're just gonna pay me on the spot. So he tells the marshal, hey. Just like, give me my money, kind of. And I'm like, are they supposed to just have that? Just go to the bank and be like, here you go. I'm like, that's crazy. That was wild. Also made me think when he's like, give me your billfold. And then Steven goes through his wallet, counts out 1200 bucks, and throws the rest on the table. I'm like, yo, does he have half a million dollars in his wallet right now? Is he walking around with millions in there? Because he pulled out 1200 and he had money left. Or 12000 he had money left. And those are $100 bills. Each one of those $100 bills... Dude, is this guy rich? Like, because, I know they've been doing bounties, hey, but this is crazy. Even if he were to pull out $12,000 today, I would be like, yo, why are you walking around with that much cash? That's crazy. Even and I'm like, in a world where all of your interactions are done through cash, why are you carrying $12,000 around? Bananas, dude. And he had more than that in his wallet. I'm like, okay. And then that to I a mean, point where I'm like, okay, it's a movie. If he's no one else is counting the bills. You could argue if he's traveling that much, he probably doesn't have anywhere else to put it. Yeah, because he can't store it in the tooth anymore. Yeah. Also, um, the only reason they have that tooth buggy is because um, Christopher Waltz was riding a horse and got bucked off and broke his pelvis. Yeah, I read that. So I'm like, you're telling me that they'd put a buggy, the tooth, Made him a dentist, blew it up with dynamite, all retroactively after this guy got hurt, and it still makes sense. It's cohesive, and I can't imagine the story without it. Like, what a writer, Terry. Because looking back on it, they don't bring it up later on. Once the tooth is gone, that baby's gone. Yeah, they they blew it up on purpose. But I'm like, but that's the first half of the movie. He talks about being a dentist. He talks about, dude, it comes up. I'm like, he just wrote that in during production. Look, this guy's amazing. That's crazy to me. World class, Tarantino. Hats off to you. All right, any other final notes before we wrap this baby up? Yeah, quick disclaimer. Hey, this movie isn't real, guys. Um, I saw a lot of, there's a lot of controversy when this movie came out. Like Spike Lee said, hey, this like, this isn't how slavery works. A lot of people are just like, yo, this isn't how slavery works. That's not, you're saying the N-word a lot, yada, yada, yada. Guys, it's a movie. It it's not historically accurate. So if you're going into Django Unchained thinking it's historically accurate, where a black bounty hunter goes and 
guns down 50 people on a whim, this isn't the movie for you. The movie's not historically accurate. There may or may there may be more N-words in the past. There's maybe less. The slaves may a lot of people are like, well, female slaves would never be treated like that. Like, dude, it's a movie. Don't go into this movie being like, wow, Tarantino really did his research. He got that right. No. Tarantino made it up. He did a little bit of research, but it works for the world this exists in. So quick disclaimer, don't get mad. It's not historically accurate. No one should be. And if you think this is historically accurate, stop watching the podcast because we wouldn't lie to you. We only tell you the truth. And that's all I got to say about that. You should watch it, though. Everyone, go watch this movie. So good. Okay. Um, One out of ten. What do you think? I think this is a mid eight, somewhere yeah. between like 8.4, 8.6. I, I think, uh, yeah, I would say between 8.5 and 8.7. All right. Very I, good. Yeah. Pretty good consensus, I'd say. Big fan. I liked it more than Shutter Island and more than Interstellar. I think it's same. Yeah. Good movie. The, just purely off the characters carried this movie. Um, So next week, we are watching the new Tom Holland Netflix movie that's called Devil All the Time, I think. He says, looking up the title of the movie, The Uh, Devil All the Time. I'll vamp for you. You got it? Sweet. The Devil All the Time, Robert Pattinson, Tom Holland. Guys, it's on Netflix. No need to rent to keep up with us. No need to go find it at your local video store or library. It's on Netflix. If you don't have it, steal from someone else. You You have my permission to steal. Most truthful guys. Most truthful. Most truthful guys. You can rely on us to, to steer you straight. Um, but yeah, so watch it with us. Tell us if you like it. And we'll talk about it next week. All right. So next in our show, we like to do a little bit of improv comedy. But I call this segment Pod and Cast Team Up. And here's how it works. You pick two famous characters. So for example, Batman and Robin. And then the other person, which will be me, Gives you directions for the scene. Example would be like, they walked in on the Riddler, just having a drink at a bar, and now they have to decide what to do. And then we just improv that situation. So we take turns where one person comes up with two characters, and the other person describes the situation. And we just improv it out for like a minute, 90 seconds. Pod and cast team up. Okay. All right. Do you want to pick direction or characters to start off? We'll do, we only do this twice. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm going to give you some characters. All right. Mm-hmm. So let's go with, are we, do we want to keep them generally the same or can we just go buck wild with it? You can do whatever you want, man. All right. We're going to go with Iron Man and Edward Cullen. Oh, who's who? God, I think, I think we know the answer to this question, unfortunately. Well, we, yeah, yeah, I'm going to let you pick though. I I'm mean, gonna pick. I'm going to be Edward Cullen. I, I, Knowing that you came up with the characters, I'm like, it's a 50-50 shot. It's a 50-50 shot. Here's the thing, though. I haven't seen any of the Twilight movies or read the Twilight books, so I'm really going on the Edward Cullen stereotypes That could on this only one. make it better. All right, okay, so here's, a, here's our direction. We can only involve two characters. We're not going to do any, anything else. Since I'm Iron Man, a.k.a. Tony Stark, and you are Edward Cullen, a.k.a. Heartthrob of a Vampire from the Twilight series, our situation is going to be, um, yikes, dude. We're fighting over a girl. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's a it's a uh, Pepper Potts Bella combination. We'll call her Fella. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yup. Uh, yeah, we'll call her Fella. It's a girl. Um, it's a girl. And 
that you have loved Fella because it didn't work out with Bella. This is Bella's sister, Fella. And I just saved the town of Fork, Washington. And I kind of just want a girl because Pepper and I are separated. So let's talk about it. 97. I have to get into character. Hold on. Give me a second. I'm not doing voices, by the way. Don't ex- don't expect Tony because I, I can't do it. I am absolutely doing a voice. It's going to be wrong, but I'm doing the voice. Tony, stay away from my girl. First of all, Playboy is in my title. No one holds me back. Also, Vampire Boy, you could have saved her. You didn't. I own this. I, I could buy this town. I could buy your house. You got nothing on me, kid. Yeah, but this girl's just a junior in high school. I've already done that before. Listen. Second part of my title. Billionaire. I don't know if you've been reading up on my buddy Epstein, Trump. Pretty much we do whatever we want. (laughs) Junior to you, junior in high school, junior in college, all the same to me. Billionaire. I've been around for a hundred years and... I've seen the types like you, and I know her. I know that she's not going to even like some rich show-off like you. She wants someone who's down-to-earth, like me. Listen here, son. Um, you might be older than me, might be younger than me. Still kind of confused about that. I'm, I'm a pretty smart guy, but you don't seem to be making any sense. Now, here's the thing. Um, I am a winner, and you do not seem to be much of a winner um and i take what i want so she's gonna get in my lamborghini or my super suit her choice and we're leaving see ya tell your family no, about me. Fella, hey come peace back. well that was uncomfortable but we did it <laughs> but we did it and guys i do not support pedophilia that was a character god i sure hope so <laughs> can you imagine no don't imagine you can't imagine can't even imagine <laughs> All right, so your characters, or our characters, are going to be... We're going to do James Bond and Jason Bourne. And I'll be Jason Bourne, you can be James Bond. Our scene is... We were just told that there is going to be a 45-minute wait for the next table at the restaurant. And we're trying to decide if we should stay or if we should go. Oh, we're going here together? Yeah. Are we on a date? Yeah. Oh, I thought we were just like in line or something. Okay. You're Jason Bourne. Remember, he's British. Wait, hold on. Are we... I'm Jason I'm... Bourne. You're okay. James Bond. So okay. he's British. Good luck with that. I'm Jason Bourne, who's American. Um, and queen. Uh, queen. we queen. are at a restaurant. And how long is the wait? 60 minutes-ish? For, I said 45 minutes. 45? Okay, that's more reasonable. 60 minutes. What was I thinking? And uh, <laughs> we got to be realistic. And... <laughs> We're trying to decide if we're staying or going. Okay, we can do that. Jason Bourne, it's me, James Bond, your date for the evening. Now, I've just been told that our restaurant reservation was canceled, and we have to wait 45 minutes for us to get a table. Um, yeah, I know who you are, and obviously I, I know who I am. Um, we came in together, so this whole theatrical thing you're doing is kind of weird um let's just i leave. just came back from the bathroom and i had to make sure that you are who you say you are 
let's leave. Uh, I can't see all the exits. Um, I'm pretty sure that guy over there is eyeing me. He's about 200 pounds. I saw his license plate outside. Didn't recognize it. It's not from here. Um, that guy over there is speaking Russian. I don't know if we can trust him. I just think we should get out of here. There's too many threats. Jason, this is a Chili's. We don't need to be that worried. Listen, that guy over there is eyeballing you right now. Don't look now. Don't. Okay, yeah. He's, she's definitely not American. Um, I think she's eyeing your wallet, which could mean she's made you. We need to get out of here right now. Head towards the exits right now. She's just drinking her bottomless margarita. I'm going through the kitchen. I'm going through the kitchen. Don't no, follow J- me. Jason, Jason. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Oh, oh, he's, he's shooting them. Oh, my God. He's shooting the kitchen staff. Um, uh, uh. Dude, PTSD. I just starts speaking another language, which I'm not going to imitate because I'm not, you know, crazy. Um. <laughs> Listen, dude, I just had a memory. It, it triggered something. I've been here before. Yeah, we've been, we've done three dates here already. My wife. Where is she? You're not married. We, we're on a date right now. Okay, I'm calling it, dude. <laughs> what? That was way over, it was over 90 seconds, but I'm like, yo, what is happening? <laughs> that was not a clean ending. But it's an improv segment, guys. We had we had an opportunity for a clean ending, but you're like, nope, going back in. I tried to make kitchen noises. <laughs> I realized there's nothing around. I'm like just banging a bookshelf behind me. Oh man, that's funny. Well, guys, that was uh, Pod and Cast team up. We'll see if it returns next week. Hopefully, you guys like it. As right. we do our third segment. The BuzzFeed quiz for the week. If you want to follow along with us, this one is called, this is the entire title, Let's Decide Once and For All If These Romance Tropes Are Cute or Creepy, end quote. So, Greg, I don't know if you got pulled up, but I do. asking someone out slash proposing to them with a big public display, but not discussing it with them privately first. Cute or creepy? I don't know if I would, I would say creepy based on these two options. But the word I would prefer to use is dangerous. Yeah. Here's the thing is if they're together, asking someone out and proposing them is so different. Because if you're asking someone out, they might not know you super well. Creepy. If you're proposing to them and you've been dating, they don't need to know. I would say that's cute. Um, The picture I see right now is 10 things I hate about you. Uh, Sex education, glee. This is all the stuff that's happened in. Uh, It's Heath Ledger. I'm going to say creepy. Yeah, and the thing about the proposing bit is when it says without discussing with them privately first, I don't think it means like, hey, can I propose to you in public on Tuesday? It's like, I think it would be more of a, hey, would you rather have kind of like a big showy proposal or more of like a personal heartfelt one? Yeah, I think that's doing the kind it, of discussion. Yeah, going to balls to the wall, big public display without... Dude, some people get real uncomfortable with the public stuff, so... Yeah, I put so... Fifty-nine percent of people said creepy. Forty-one percent cute. I'm I'm saying we're winners. Yeah, we won that one. Getting involved in a love triangle. Hey, it's your it's you. It's me. It has a picture of Edward Cullen. That's crazy. Getting involved yeah. in the love triangle to convince someone they should be with you or decide who you should be with. Okay, love triangles are never cute. I'm going creepy. Yeah, I think so too. Oh, overwhelmingly 83% creepy, 17% cute. By a landslide. Hey, if you picked cute, you're wrong. Uh, Dating someone without telling them that you are very rich or a royal. 
I think it's kind of cute, to be honest. I don't think this is cute or creepy. I'm kind of just neutral towards this content. I am willing to lean a little bit more towards the cute side. I think it's cute. I think you're just trying to protect yourself. You don't want them to like you for what you have. So just be like, hey, I didn't tell you that. It is a little dishonest, but money can make everything better. I'm going cute. Yeah, 66% cute, 34% creepy. I think Who? we got it. Dude, what are we, like four for four right now? Yeah. Three for three. I'll take it. Next, starting a fake relationship in order to win back an ex. Creepy. Hey. Nope. Creepy. Yeah. Not okay. Zero no to ten. fake relationships allowed. Creepy, 79%. And the thing is, cute, 21%. They always end up going poorly. Hey, yeah. I know it's a movie trope, and like that's kind of the point, but... Even if it were to take effect in real life, it's not as effective as you think it is. Yo, I tried that in elementary school. I tried to date another girl to make another girl jealous. Guess what? The girl I was faking emotions for turned out to actually like me. So then I needed to tell her as a fourth grader, hey, I don't actually like you. I was doing it to make your friend jealous. And not only did her friend not like me anymore. She's like, why would I want to be jealous of you? I never interested you in the first place. I heard this girl's feelings. So, hey... Don't she's still it. in therapy about it. She told me. I mean, I think she's has, has a couple kids. And she's we living talk her life. Frequently. But uh, and I've I've literally never talked to her since. And she moved away. But I could never make up that relationship. So don't break people's hearts. Stalking or following someone to show that you care about them. The old Joe Goldberg effect. No. Here's the thing: stalking or following someone to show that you care about them. Great move if they never find out about it. Because you need to make the relationship seem natural. Hey, I know everything about you. We have so much in common. That's amazing. Do your research. They can just never know that it didn't come naturally. And that has to come of two things. First of all, they just have to never naturally find out. Which, in movie tropes, never happens. And two, even if it does work, you have to live with that kind of like on your conscience for the rest of your life. Yeah, I think it's a bad move. I'm going creepy for this one. Yeah. Ooh, overwhelming majority, 96% creepy, 4% cute. We haven't lost one yet. Oh, you guys know our position on lying. Lying to someone because you know that once you win them over, they'll fall in love with you. Listen, we're truth tellers here on this podcast. So yeah, we're not about that. We're not about it. Also, don't lie to me. We're we're real with each other. That's the agreement we have with you, audience, and you have with us. We're going to be honest across the board. Even when we're not honest, we're going to be honest, right? Right. Creepy. Yup. The rest of the world's on board with us. 94% creepy, 6% cute. Obviously. Taking advantage of information that someone doesn't know you have in order to woo them. This is a tricky one. I think this is a toss-up. Yeah, because it's one thing if it's like, oh, you didn't know that I knew when your birthday was, so I kind of surprised you that way. Like, that would be cute. What wouldn't be cute is your dog died. I knew you were emotionally distraught. So I preyed on you and took advantage of the situation because I knew that you were easy to impress while you're in your emotional state. That's creepy. Yeah. But if you're like, oh, I know that you go to this place for lunch, so I just got it for you already so you don't have to go there. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say cute. It's a toss up. I'm going to say cute. Ooh. Ooh. 85% 85% creepy. 50. They did not give they them the benefit the of the doubt. Yeah, There's they... a whole lot of dead dogs. 85% creepy, 15% cute. Yikes. Well, there's relationship advice in there somewhere if you look hard enough. Let's do two more. 
Declaring your feelings and pursuing a friend you have a crush on, even when they say they're not interested slash are into someone else. They really phrase these to lean on the creepy side. This cannot be defended. So the first phrase, declaring your feelings and pursuing a friend you have a crush on. On board for making friends relationships. 100% on board for that. Even when they say they're not interested or into someone else. Listen, I'm into persistence. Persistence is good. So I think the one thing that's going to set this apart is distance, like time-wise. If they tell you, hey, I'm not interested, and then you come back a year later being like, hey, I've thought about you this entire time. Um, I haven't been able to get you off your mind. I know you, you said you weren't interested in me, but I would love to try something. That's cute. Hey, I know last week our date went really bad, and I know you don't want to call it a date, but I, and I know you like this other guy, but just give me a chance, please. Creepy, man. I think, based on how they're phrasing it and how other people understand it, I think we're gonna go, we gotta go with creepy, man. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Seventy eight percent creepy, twenty two percent cute. Nailed it. I think the final one is uh, pretty obvious. Flirting with someone by grabbing their butt slash grabbing any part of them in general. Uh, I think, no, no, let's put a hard no on that one. Yeah, um, as much as I'd love to, I I just can't support this. I think it's objectively wrong, and uh, I don't think there's a good argument for it. Every time I see a man, like, grab a woman's wrist in a movie to, like, stop them from turning away, or to, like, bring them closer, or to, like... Even in that flirtatious manner, I'm like, mm, hands, hands off, please. I'm a I- big fan of grabbing, but the, the here's the thing that I'll do that. You know what? Take that the wrong way. I don't care. <laughs> so actually, I care, please. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I don't care. Does he really care? Does he not care? Who knows? I like grabbing. The problem is, is they always do it so forcefully. Like if a girl's like crying and they walk away and you grab their hand but they can still pull away sweet if they're like if there's a tugging motion and you have them like and they can't leave bro you're messing up i think there's a difference between like grabbing and like holding yes so big fan of holding i revised my previous statement big holder not a big grabber so if somebody is crying and they try to walk away and you like put your hand in their hand and you're like holding their hand but they still slip it out that that is acceptable, but again, once we get into the whole like jerking motion, that's where that's where it's bad, 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 bad. Yeah. Hey guys, don't be jerks. Yeah, just stop having predatory behavior in movies. I'm not on board, and in case you were wondering if the rest of the world was on board, ninety three percent creepy, seven percent cute. We're all on the same page. All right. Now that we have finished our little Buzzfeed thorough vamp, which is a word I just made up. <laughs> yep. It is time for probably the best part of the podcast. This is our one-hit wonder. So, our one-hit wonder this week is called... Before I say... Remember, these are supposed to be bad, people, okay? I forgot we were recording till 18 minutes before we were recording. And most of the time, 
Craig and I outline what segments we're supposed to do way ahead of time. This, I found out I was doing One Hit Wonder 18 minutes before. So, my One Hit Wonder is called No Nonsense. And what I'm going to do, and what you will do, is we'll get 30 seconds to just come up with a word. And the other person has to decide whether or not it's real or fake. It doesn't have to be English. And they can ask three questions. And at the end of those three questions, they have to decide whether or not that word is real or fake. And that's called no nonsense. Um, Do you have any questions? uh, I don't have any questions. I'm just kind of reeling from the scope of what is asked of me. Okay. I'm definitely going to have you ready to for, have you go. Are you ready for your word? Yes. Your word is capoeira. Capoeira. Yes. And I get, you have okay, three so questions. first question, is it a real yes. word? Sure. Yes. Yes, it is a real word. Okay. What am I trying to get by the end of this? To guess if it's real? Is it, is it real or not? <laughs> <laughs> and then you can give me a brief description of what, if it is real, what it means. And if it's not real. Um, what it could what, mean. Why you think it's not real. Well, <laughs> so we've already decided that it's real. All right. Okay. It's real. It's real. You asked me if it's real and I'm saying it's real. Hold on. So can we just lie to each other? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't. Listen, okay, second question. Know. Did you lie to me? No. Hold on now. Hold on now. I am I am not comfortable with the energy You're that we created a, in the almost studio. Almost all three today. of your questions. Just trying to see if I'm lying. Yes. Third question. What yes. is its origins nationally? Uh Brazil. All right. Does it use up one of my questions for me to ask you to say it again? Capoeira. Capoeira is a real word okay. that is a, it's like a, the name of an urban legend. Kind of like the capybara. Capybaras are real, aren't they, though? <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah, it's an ur- yeah, Kind of like a chupacabra? It's the urban legend version of a capybara. Are you going to stick with that answer? Yes. Okay. So capoeira is a Brazilian martial art form combining self-defense, acrobatics, dance, music, and song. It was developed by slaves who used it to disguise the fact that they were practicing fight moves. Oh, good for them. Capoeira. All right, man. I'll give you 30 seconds to prepare a word for me. No, I'm not looking any up. That would be inappropriate. Okay, are you ready? Yes. Supai. 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 What language is that? Japanese. Supai. Where did you learn this language or learn this word? On a website called kotoacademy.com. Kotoacademy.com. C-O-T-O academy.com. Supai. What does this word mean? It means sour. I'm going to say that's real. Okay. And I think you're telling the truth. I think it means sour. Actually, I don't think it means. No, I'm just going to believe you. This this sucks. I want to say you're a liar. I really do. I don't believe you at all. Um, 
but I literally have no idea. Yeah, you're lying. You're lying. It's not real. Soup pie is not a thing. Okay. And you just made it up. Um, and here's how I know. I know you will. I think yes, Koto Academy is le- is pretty cool, but it also sounds like what someone thinks Japanese sounds like. <laughs> um, you also are trying to convince me that it's real by looking at your phone, like you're reading it. And I don't think it's real. I think it's not real. Supai is not real. Final answer? Yeah, it's not real. Dude, it's totally real. Oh, <laughs> it's sour? Yeah. Um... I was gonna list off a bunch of them to prove that I was that I was telling the truth, but I don't know how to pronounce Japanese words, so I don't want to take that step and be wrong. Gotcha. That's legit. That's legit. Oh, this sucks. So I'm down one. Oh, we're doing more than one round. Yeah, man, I got another one for you. Ready? Yeah. It's Riten Flighter. And I'm not going to pronounce it with an accent. It's in, that's how Americans will say it. It's Reiten Flighter. It sounds German, if it's real at all. When did you come up with this word? When did I hear about it? No, when did well, you come up with this word? An hour ago. Almost exactly. We've been recording for 51 minutes. Yep. Okay. All right. <laughs> Where did you get the idea? Um... When I realized what the game was going to be, it was the first word that came to my mind. All right. Are you confident that you've created a real enough sounding word? No. Okay. So I'm going to guess that you're telling the truth. And what would it mean if it's real? It is a flight of beer. A flight of beer. Right in flighter. It's not real at all. I just made it up. Actually, it could be real. Um, but I made it up. Right in flighter is not real. Well, I really went for the bait and switch, and boy, did I get switched. <laughs> it's all good. All right, do you want to do one more? And wrap this bad May boy up? May as well. Send it. All right, we're going to do another Japanese one. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to tell you that straight up because I don't want to leave the website. Okay. Um, the word is sakana. What does it mean? Fish. Sakana? Yep. Or sakana. Hmm. I don't know, dude. <sighs> okay. I got, dude, I don't even know what the point of these last two questions are. Really. <laughs> I don't know. Us establishing very early on that we could just ask if it's real or not was probably uh, the wrong path to take. Yeah. Is it real? <laughs> well, you've got me. You got me. Okay. Um, and can you say it for me one more time? I'll spell it how it's spelled on the webpage. It's S-A-K-A-N-A, so it could be Sakana, Sakana. Okay, I think you're telling the truth. Uh, Yeah, I am. Yeah, I figured it was real. I do not have the confidence in myself to create a word. Because, in my opinion, every made-up word sounds made up. Because, like, when you tell me to make up a word, my first thought is to go gibberish. Right. And all gibberish sounds like gibberish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just hard for me to come up with, like, actual English structure. Or well, the thing is, is, like, foreign people who do world building do it all the time. They just make up words. Because, like, there are species and things that aren't a thing. 
and then they'll use words and slang that just aren't a thing. That's kind of something I also notice is like every noun in like a beginner's D and D session mm-hmm. just sounds so cliche and cheesy and it's that kind of stuff that I try to avoid. Right. So making the marsupials up have overtaken the zebra don't feel original. An overwhelmingly large number. That and I, I don't know if they're going to make a comeback doing. after this. Good. See, the problem I have All right. with this whole Let's zebra do the outro for this. that we discuss time and time again is the fact that they're not getting the funding they need. They're not getting the marketing and the publicity they need. And I think a lot of people are promising to contribute to their cause and are failing to do that. And whether that's posting on your Instagram, you know, save the zebras or on Twitter, hashtag zebras forever or whatever it is. It's it's starting to break my heart that the zebras are losing hope that they're ever going to return to a normal life. And I know the here's the thing. Marsupials, I don't have anything against them. They're good, good animals, great whole numerous species i support them 100 percent, but it can't come at the cost of zebra lives and, and a zebra livelihood um so everyone if i'm not asking for money i'm not asking for you to contribute to me i am i am asking for money um but if there's anything you can do say a prayer for the zebras support them any way you can obviously don't go to zoos um unless they're zebra funded and zebra run um but I mean, do what you can. Keep them in your hearts. Um, let's 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 turn this around, please. All right. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I'm Craig Wells, aka Permanent Handle, and I'm Alex Good, aka Alex Good. And we will see you next week. Deuces. See ya.